So tonight we're going to begin in Luke chapter 8, looking at the parable of the sower, uh, is what most uh, titles you'll find, but I actually prefer, after you study this, I, I think you'd probably agree with this, I think it should be titled, instead of the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils. Um, because what Jesus here is pointing out in Luke chapter 8 is that the most important thing in getting something out of hearing the Word of God is the condition of our hearts at that moment. That, that that's more important than anything else. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of times we talk about preparing ourselves to hear the Word of God and why even we have time of worship where we quiet ourselves and we, we come before the Lord and we try to prepare our minds and our hearts to receive the Word of God and get our heart in a, in a right place. Because it falls in line with what Jesus is teaching here. And that is that the, the amount of good, if you will, that the Word of God is going to do when we hear it is going to be dependent on where our heart is when we hear it. Now, the other sobering thing that comes out of this teaching of Jesus in this parable is that out of the people who hear the Word of God, I'm not even talking about the people that don't hear the Word of God. I mean, that's a whole other big group of people that don't ever hear the Word of God. We're not, they're not included in this parable, okay? So we, we can even just slide those people, if you will, to the side. Here, Jesus is concentrating simply on the people who are hearing the Word of God, okay? So keep that in mind. And even out of that group that hears the Word of God, here's something very sobering that Jesus is teaching. One out of four, at least based on his parable, okay? One out of four people who hear the Word of God ever allows what they hear to bear fruit in their life. Now let, let that settle for a minute, because that, that's important. For instance, not, not that it would totally equate this way, but if, if you and I were to look around the room tonight, what Jesus would be saying is only one out of every four people here tonight who actually are going to hear the word of God are ever going to bear fruit from hearing the word. The other three, it will never be sustainable fruit in their life. That's why, you know, a lot of Christians, they, they ask like, you know, why is it that Christians can hear the word of God and never change? Why, how can a Christian come to a church, say like ours, that teaches the word of God, you know, consistently, whatever, but it seems like it never makes a difference in their life? I think Jesus is going to answer that tonight. Because there's way more possibility 
of you and I and other people hearing the word of God and it never bearing fruit in our life than actually there is that we do hear the word of God and it bears fruit. And so that's very important. And that's why I wanted to start with this parable tonight. Out of all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke records more of Jesus' parables than any of the other Gospel writers. So let's look tonight at Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. Luke records, while a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from one town after another, he spoke to them in a parable. And I think even Luke is reminding us that at this point, you know, there were people from all over that were coming. They were interested in hearing what Jesus had to say. And yet by also reminding us that they were so many of them and they were coming from all these different places, that I think Luke is also saying here that they're representative of all the different kinds of soils of people's hearts that Jesus is going to talk about. And just because Jesus had all these people who came to hear him didn't mean that all these people bore fruit from what they heard. Because they were just like the people in the parable that Jesus is going to talk about tonight. A parable is a story that either highlights or hides the deeper significance of the truth that is being taught. Let me repeat that. A parable. Why does Jesus teach in parables? And what is the purpose of a parable? A parable is a story that either highlights or hides the deeper significance of a truth that is being taught. In fact, look at it even this way. A parable is like a doorway. Those that are uninterested and really grasping and comprehending and coming to an understanding of what is being taught will stay on the outside of the doorway. But those who really have an interest and really want to know more and really want to even understand what they've already heard and grasp it and comprehend it and apply it, they'll walk through the doorway, you see. So that's why Jesus spoke in parables. Because he didn't want to force his truth on those that weren't interested. He laid it out there. And for those that really wanted to know they would walk through the doorway and keep on searching and seeking and, and wanting explanation and asking questions and going further in order to find it, you see. Those that just thought, well, that's a nice story, and, and it just sort of lays there, but they don't really have a hunger or a desire or an interest to go any deeper than what they've already heard, then they won't go any further through that door. And they will stay on the outside and never really come to the deeper significance or meaning that is meant by using a parable. A parable is more than a story. It is more 
than an illustration. So you'll notice in verse 5, Jesus now gives them this parable. And because they were primarily an agrarian society, Jesus obviously uses something uh, that they were very familiar with. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled on, and the wild birds devoured it. Other seed fell on rock, and when it came up, it withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and they grew up with it and choked it. But other seed fell on good soil and grew, and it produced a hundred times as much grain. As he said this, he called out, the one who has ears to hear had better listen. Had better take special note of what he's teaching. That they would be interested in not just physically hearing it, but in considering it and seeking to comprehend it. That's what listening is really all about. It's not just even you know, being attentive and actually physically hearing what's being taught, but it's actually, you know, considering it even after I've heard it, contemplating it, and coming to a comprehension of it, trying to find the deeper meaning and significance in what is being taught. And that's what Jesus hopes every one of his followers and disciples has, is that kind of listening skill and desire, that that kind of desire to go through those doors and to get to the deeper meaning and significance of what's being taught. What it reminds me of, and this is one of the parables that God used in my life to bring me to that whole digging in series and, and, and why I chose digging into the Psalms and Proverbs and why I will do that with the second book, digging into discipleship, is because... We need to understand the concept that, you know, God's Word is laid out there for us. And if we're simply looking for, say, all these gems and treasure and all of that, just to be laying on the surface, we're not going to find too much. That we need to be willing to dig a little deeper and to get in there like the treasure hunters and and to put forth some effort on our part and, and put forth you know, uh, what we can in order to go below the surface and get to the deeper stuff, you see. Too many Christians today just are satisfied with the easy stuff that just lays on the surface, if you will. The low-hanging fruit that we talk about, rather than realizing that there's so much more if we would just put forth the effort to go a little bit deeper. And that's really what a parable was. It was a great story that had deep meaning and significance, but if you just listened to the parable that Jesus just gave and walked away, you really wouldn't get it. You had to stick with Jesus. You had to keep following Him in order to get the explanation and understand what really He was saying here and what the intent was behind it. So notice, in verse 9, his disciples ask him what this parable meant. What does it signify, Jesus? What does it represent? Okay, nice story, you know, four different kinds of soil. There's the sower, there's the seed, 
and there's the soil, and I get the fact that three out of the four soils never really bear fruit, only one does, but, but tell me, Jesus, what's, what's beyond that? What, what do we need to learn? And he said, you have been given the opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And I want to say to us tonight, we have been given the opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And and we need to acknowledge and recognize the privilege that we have to know the secrets of God's kingdom. To know means to become thoroughly acquainted with something. And Jesus is saying to his own followers here, you keep following me, you're going to become more and more acquainted with the things of the kingdom of God. And when the Bible uses the word secrets, when Jesus uses the word secret, it doesn't mean something that God wants to keep hidden. It's simply something that would have remained hidden had God not chosen to reveal it. That's what a secret is in the Bible. Something that would have remained hidden to us as human beings if God had not chosen to reveal it. But we know that God has chosen to reveal much of what would have remained hidden to us and that we can become acquainted with it. I mean, think, here. one of the greatest examples of that is creation. Nobody was there except God. None of us as human beings would really know how the world came into being unless God had revealed it to Moses and Moses would have recorded it in the book of Genesis. None of us were there. No human being would know how the world was created. But God chose to reveal it, to make what would have remained hidden known. That's a secret. And we have the privilege of becoming acquainted with these things that God has revealed. Now, Jesus goes on, though. Notice what he says. You've been given this opportunity to know the kingdom of God, but for others, they are in parables. See, parables aren't like some people think. It's a way for God to somehow take something uh, that's difficult to understand and make it easier to understand. No. Listen to what Jesus says. To others, I speak in parables so that although they see, they may not see. And although they hear, they may not understand. Far from actually clearing something up, what a parable was to do was to block them because they weren't really interested in going through that doorway. And so, in a sense, God in His mercy was preventing them from actually knowing more when they really didn't want to and being held accountable for it. Because everything that you and I know, everything that you and I learn, everything that you and I absorb, we're accountable for it. It's a great privilege to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But everything that's revealed to us, everything that then we know, then we're accountable before God for that knowledge. You see, the greater the light that we have, the greater the responsibility. So get this, God then in his mercy, in a sense, blocks people who really aren't interested in knowing of knowing so that they're held responsible for something they really don't want to be held responsible for. That's 
the purpose of speaking in parables. Again, I go back to this illustration that, that I've learned, and I at least like for me, maybe it won't work for you, but I look at a parable as a doorway. I'll say it again. For those that are uninterested in truly knowing what a parable means and the deeper significance of it, they stay on the outside of the doorway. They hear a story, story's nice, but they never really understand it. Okay? But for those who really are interested, who want to know, who want to learn, who want to grow, who want to grasp and comprehend the deeper things of God, they will walk through that doorway. And they will keep following Christ, and they will keep asking the Holy Spirit to enable them and teach them and help them to comprehend and understand, and they will put forth the effort to study and to read and to do the things they can do so that they can begin to grasp the deeper things of God. In fact, that's why you'll notice very importantly here in verse 11, it says, now the parable means this. In other words, Jesus now is going to explain what the parable means to those that wanted to continue to follow him. To that big, large crowd that heard this story and went, oh, that was nice, and then left, they didn't get to hear the meaning. And so this even reinforces that whole, again, principle of discipleship and being a disciple and continuing to follow Jesus because it was only those who continued to follow Jesus that got the explanation of the parable. Those that just heard and left, they never got it. They never heard what Jesus said. Jesus gives us the explanation of his word. And today, he obviously works through the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide, and to teach. So notice, this is the key to understanding the parable according to Jesus. The seed for sowing is the word of God. And in this parable... Now what Jesus is going to say is that the focus is not going to be on the sowers, Jesus and his disciples. It's not even going to be on the seed, the word of God. The focus from here on out is going to be on the soil itself, on, if you will, the heart of each individual who hears the word of God. By the way, there's another place in the New Testament where it equates the word of God to seed, It is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, where Peter writes, We have been born again, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Born again. Born anew. Not from perishable, but from imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. You see, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God, and the Word of God is the same seed in each and every case. You know, take notice of that. It's not, well, this seed was a good seed and that seed wasn't. No, the seed is the same in each situation. And in a sense, the sower is the same in each situation. The only variable here is the soil, the condition of the person's heart. Or their attitude, if you will, towards receiving the word of God. So notice Jesus goes on to explain beginning in verse 12. 
Those along the path are the ones who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Luke, by the way, is the only one that adds and be saved because Luke has such a focus on salvation with people. The other Gospels that use the same parable don't go that far. So if you will, the first thing Jesus says is we've got to be aware that the devil is very active in the hearing and receiving of the Word of God. In other words, every time the Word of God is taught, every time we hear the Word of God, there's going to be a spiritual battle taking place, there's going to be a spiritual enemy out there, and that devil is going to try to separate, if you will, that Word of God from truly getting to our heart. Because even the concept of the devil, the one who divides, when it says he takes away the word, literally it means he separates the word. He tries to keep the word of God at a distance from the heart of a human being. Because he doesn't want the word of God to penetrate our heart. Because if it penetrates our heart, it will bear fruit. You see. So he's always trying to keep the word of God from our heart. We can hear it. It can sort of be there at the surface of our being. But God desires for His Word to literally get into our heart. And that's why, again, people can be here in a group of just like tonight. And you and I can be hearing the same Word of God. And it can be making an impact in some people's lives and bringing forth fruit. And it can be not impacting other people and bringing forth fruit, even though you and I heard the same Word. Why? Because maybe the devil is keeping that Word of God from truly penetrating the heart. So we have to be aware that he's very active in the teaching and reception of the Word of God. That's part of the reason why I think it's important for us to pray before we hear the Word of God and the Word of God is taught and and ask God to keep those hindrances of the spiritual enemy at bay and and to protect the the teaching and preaching of the Word of God and, and to to get people's hearts to where you know they will push away and resist the, the work of the devil and let the Word of God truly take hold in their life and penetrate their heart and be moved by the Word of God. You see. So that's the first soil. The Word of God never even gets to the heart. You see. Never even gets to the heart. And therefore the person is unmoved and the person is unchanged. Now notice the second type of soil. Verse 13. Then there are those on the rock. They are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They have no depth. Obviously roots are what go down deep. So again, Jesus is picturing for us here a, a very surfacey situation where the seed just sort of lays on the surface of the ground and doesn't really get plowed in, if you will, and penetrate any deeper. Notice it says they believe for a while. 
but in a time of testing, fall away. Now, in the first soil, we saw where the devil was active and was seeking to keep the word of God from a distance from penetrating people's hearts. Here, a couple other things are in play. First of all, I want to point out time is an issue. Time. In time, you and I will know whether the Word of God has had an effect on our lives and is bearing fruit or not. Just sometimes it just, it's time, you know. Just like Jesus said, you know, there, there are some people, man, when you first see, they first come to church or whatever, they're, they're excited. They receive the Word of God with joy. They believe, man, they're on fire, you know. It's like their faith, they're there every Sunday, every Tuesday. It's like, wow, you know, they're... But give it time. Does that kind of commitment, is that kind of faithfulness, is that kind of devotion, is that sustained? Or is that one of those things, it's like a rocket that shoots up real far, real fast, but then it comes down real fast too. So one of the things that Jesus is saying here is that in time, you, you just sort of, time has a way of sifting things out. You, you sort of know, you know, whether the Word of God has really taken hold and, and begun to, to get traction in someone's life, you'll know it in time. And then the other thing Jesus refers to here is a time of testing. Literally, adversity. Jesus says, listen, you know, somebody can be all gung-ho about hearing the Word of God and receiving it, but then some kind of adversity, some trial comes into their life, they're done. Totally fair weather. You know, as long as everything's good and everything's falling out just the way, you know, I want it or it needs to, is from my perspective, you know, I'm there, I'm hearing the Word of God, I'm faithful, but let a few obstacles be thrown. Let, let some trial come into my life. Let some kind of adversity. And I begin to get disillusioned with God. I begin to get mad at God. I begin to get bitter. I begin to think, you know, why? What's, what's following Christ? Is it really worth it? And done. They fall away. They literally, Jesus says, desert and depart. You see because the Word of God had no depth in their life. It had no root. It didn't go down any deeper than just laying on the surface. So when something bad happened, there was no real spiritual foundation or strength to be able to deal with whatever the trial or adversity was. And you and I know trials and adversity are going to come. You know. Can I say that that's why you have so many people today, even Christians, who follow the fair-weather preachers and teachers on television and in ministries around our country and around our world who teach, you know, that if you just, you know, believe enough and have enough faith, everything will always be good and, and, and God wants you to just, you know, have a life that is free from any kind of trial or adversity or problems or anything like that. People flock to that. Because that appeals, obviously, to the flesh. 
And it appeals to people that go no deeper or never want to go any deeper than just everything's good and everything's happy and nothing's ever going to go bad because when something does bad happen, they fall away. And the Bible even teaches us about this. Keep your finger there in Luke and go over to 1 Timothy for just a moment, to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, where Paul writes about this. Same word, by the way, that's used for fall away that Jesus uses is used here in 1 Timothy 4.1, where it says, Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will desert the faith, depart the faith, fall away. Same Greek word that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 8 to describe those who fall away at the end of verse 13 is the word translated desert the faith in 1 Timothy 4.1. And occupy themselves with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings. Third kind of soil, back to Luke chapter 8. Verse 14, as for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Jesus says, here's another soil. First of all, I want to look at the word choked. It means to cut off or suffocate the basically the lifeline or the the supply that's needed of something. You see, something is choking off something. It would be like in a car if if an air fuel filter was clogged and and the car couldn't get, you know, the air. It's suffocating. It's choking off. It can't perform at its highest level. Jesus says this is what happens to people who get caught up in all of the distractions of life and don't center their life in me. The Word of God never really takes hold and comes to maturity in their life to where it bears ripe fruit. By the way, when Jesus says they are choked by the worries, riches, and pleasures of life, Jesus is talking about distractions. Again, You know, people might get interested in the Word of God for a little bit, but then all of a sudden, life comes. Life happens. And now all of a sudden, well, you know, I can't make it to church, you know, for the next... And uh, I can't, can't, you know, do devotions for the next week. And uh, when was the last time I prayed? And all of a sudden, you know, all these things start to pull us away from our lifeline. We're being choked out. We're being suffocated from our spiritual lifeline and our spiritual supply that, that gives us air, if you will. Because we're distracted by all these other things in life. And that's why Jesus says, even in this, they never bear mature fruit. It, the fruit is never ripe. It's never edible, if you will. It's never useful, beneficial, or profitable to themselves or anyone else. And the other thing that this word means is to literally bring forth child. In other words, the picture that Jesus is giving, and this would be awful. I'm, 
you know, especially for like someone like Nicole who's pregnant now. It, Jesus picturing here a gal who, who is always pregnant but never gives birth. How miserable would that be? Jesus is saying that's, that the, they're, 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 they never bring forth a child. That, that's what he means by using this word. They never bear mature fruit they, because they're distracted. So they, they never can sort of, if you will, I'm using an old phrase now from a long time ago, they never sort of put their nose to the grindstone long enough to see anything come out of what they do spiritually. It's like they live hit and miss. They do this a little bit, but never long enough to see anything worthwhile come out of it. You see, what God teaches us in His Word is you and I have to sustain something over a long haul to be able to see real ripe fruit come out of something, to see something worthwhile. We can't expect to put very little effort into something and little time into something and get all this wonderful fruit. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in agriculture, it doesn't work that way with the farmer, and it doesn't work that way spiritually, you see. But because, again, we live in a world that's even infested and infected Christianity where people want everything easy and quick and whatever, that's why a lot of times they never see real mature fruit in their lives. They never really bring forth anything and birth anything because they haven't stuck with it long enough. Too distracted, over and over again. Too many distractions. So with that, Jesus finally gets to the good soil. Now again, remember, I think it's significant here that Jesus is saying, there's four different soils I'm, I'm sharing with you, and only one ever really bears fruit. Only one who hears the word of God, ever really receives it in a way and takes it in that it takes hold in their life to where they're fruitful. So he goes on in verse 15 to say, But as for the seed that landed on good soil, these are the ones who, after hearing the word of God, cling to it with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with steadfast endurance. A couple important things that Jesus is teaching here. First of all, the word hearing that he uses here means to listen with great care and interest. So that's where it starts. I mean, you and I all know, we can be in a place where we're hearing the word of God and we can be sitting up and we can be engaged and we can be trying to grasp what God is saying to us and what he's teaching us. Or we can be sort of like, yeah, bless me, I dare you. And just let me get this over with so that I can go home and, you know. Rock. So there, there's different ways, obviously, to even approach the, the hearing. And both are going to hear it physically. But Jesus, I think, is pointing out that, that for those that are truly engaged and listening with great interest and attentiveness and care, that's where it starts. And then he says, but it goes beyond that. Notice he says, and cling to it. The words mean to hold fast to it. It was used, the, this term was actually even used by sailors in Jesus' day. It, it was a nautical term that described one who maintained a steady course through rough waters. 
I love that. Because in a sense, it's picturing the fact that there's going to be rough waters, but can I, I maintain a steady... Can I be that helmsman who has a hold of that, you know, the wheel of the ship? And can I maintain a steady course through rough waters? Because I'm going to need to do that if I'm going to bear fruit. Because there's going to be rough waters. Am I going to stick with it through and maintain a steady course? Or am I going to get distracted and get off course real quick? Or even just say, ah, I'm not going through there. I'm, I'm just going to back up my boat and park it and out of here. See, i got to cling to it. I've got to hold fast to the Word of God. And that's especially true when trial and adversity and challenges and obstacles and crises of faith and all these different things come into our life. i got to cling to the Word of God, you see. And when I hear the Word of God and listen with great interest and care and I cling to the Word of God, then Jesus says also with an honest and good heart. This was a way of describing singleness of purpose in Jesus' day. Singleness of purpose. Jesus is just simply pointing out that, you know, I've got to be very intentional and go... This, this is my goal. This, this is my purpose. I want to receive the Word of God. I want to take it in. I want to grasp it. I want to comprehend it. I want to apply it so that I can continue down this road with God and continue to be more like Jesus Christ. If I don't have singleness of purpose, if my life isn't set on that course of seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all those other things will distract me from my purpose and my goal. That's why the Word of God says that if you and I are going to endure and persevere and, and sustain our spiritual life, we've got to keep our eyes, the writer of Hebrews says, fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We've got to always look at the goal out there that's, that's before us and not get our eyes off on all this stuff on the side or even look behind, you see. That's what Paul even said. It's so reinforced in the New Testament. He says, I forget the things that are behind me and I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I count everything else, Paul says to the Philippians, in my life as refuse and dung. One purpose, Paul said, I have, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable to His image. That singleness of purpose. That's what Jesus is describing here. And when that soil, that kind of quality soil connects with the Word of God that's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit to the joints of marrow. When those two things collide, look what happens. It bears fruit. 
There then is external evidences of the divine life within us. And Jesus then goes on to say, with perseverance or endurance. Jesus is saying that kind of person, the kind of person I just described here, the one who hears the word of God the way they do and clings to it, with an honest and good heart, they're the ones that's going to persevere. They're going to have a supernatural, spiritual stamina and staying power in their life. And it's going to be built in to their life by maintaining that kind of soil that when the Word of God hits, there's a connection made. And it The Word penetrates the heart. The devil doesn't keep the Word of God from getting to our heart. It moves us. It takes hold. Instead of having no depth or root, it goes down deep. As again, the writer of Hebrews says, even into the joints and marrow, the very innermost recesses of our being. And because we have such singleness of purpose too, we don't get distracted by the the worries and the cares and the pleasures of life. We have one goal in mind in our life. And when that kind of heart hits the powerful Word of God, that's where fruit comes from. Sustainable, lasting fruit. So Jesus is reminding His own disciples. After all these people came out of all the towns to hear Jesus, I think Jesus was saying, so disciples, what kind of soil do you have? And know that in going forward in your life spiritually, there's never going to be anything wrong with the seed. It's the Word of God. And it really doesn't matter who sows the seed, whether it's me or one of my disciples or one of my prophets or a fellow Christian or believer, it really doesn't matter who sows a seed if the seed's the Word of God. What really makes the difference is the condition of the soil. Are we ready? Are we prepared to receive and hear the Word of God and let it penetrate our lives and bring forth fruit? I think after something like this that Jesus taught, he gave his followers a chance to just go, hmm, I need to think about that. I need to let that settle. So that's what we're going to do tonight as well. We're just going to end and let that settle. And I hope you'll obviously go back to this parable and read it again and study it for yourself and Let God speak to you through this parable as well. Next week, we're going to look at maybe one of the most famous parables of Jesus, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's a wonderful parable, again, with a lot of great stuff in it. So I hope you'll hang in there with me for the next five weeks before we take our summer break in July, because we're going to be looking at some really good parables out of the Gospel of Luke in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys, for being here tonight. Let's close in prayer.
God, I, I pray tonight for each of us that we have been reminded tonight about the condition of our hearts, about the condition of the soil of our hearts as we hear and receive the Word of God. Lord, it's so possible, in fact, even probable, according to you, that many people can hear the Word of God and it never really takes hold in their life. It never really brings forth fruit. Never really results in anything lasting or sustainable. And God, I pray that that would not be what we want in our lives, what we desire. God, help us to be that good soil that Jesus describes here in this parable. That God, we strive to be a soil that is ready and prepared for your word to penetrate. And that we're willing, God, for your word to penetrate our heart. To move us, to change us, to transform us. Help us not to be satisfied with where we're at. Help us not to ever grow complacent. But help us, God, to always maintain that soil and that that singleness of purpose in our lives. And God, help us to follow what Jesus said about clinging to the Word of God and holding fast to it. God, sometimes that's what we've got to do. Because life and the distractions of life and the cares of life can pull us away from your word and the promises of your word and the truth of your word if we allow it to. So God, help us to hold on to it and carry it with us at all times. Even tonight, God, glue your word into our hearts and lives. May we not become separated from your word so that throughout not only the rest of this day, even though we only have a few hours left, but through tomorrow and the rest of this week, your word can truly be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. God, go with us. Give us a great week in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys for being here. We'll see you next week.